RevOps, think about it as sales ops, serving the sales community, serving the client success community, and serv- servicing the marketing community. So sales ops, client success operations, and marketing operations, servicing your field organization. That's how you should look at it, right? Your field organization consists out of your account executives and their leadership team, your SE organization, your account management organization, your CSM organization, your field marketing organization, your partner organization. So everything touching revenue and driving revenue, basically. Welcome to Revenue Insights. Every week, we'll be joined by revenue leaders from some of the most successful and highest growing companies. Together, we explore how they built their revenue teams, the journeys that they've been on, and the lessons they have learned along the way. Revenue Insights is brought to you by Ebster. We're a revenue intelligence platform designed to help revenue teams to build more pipeline, close more deals, and retain more customers. Hello there. You are listening to Revenue Insights. Today, I'm chatting with Jake Hoffbegen. He's the VP of Revenue Operations and Enablement at Contentful. He's also designed and built go-to-market programs at NetSuite, Yext, McAfee, amongst others. Jake, pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to meet you, Lear. Fine, finally connecting. So that's awesome. Yeah. We've finally got it together. Really, really keen to dig into things because you've been in operations for, um, uh, I don't know if it's polite to say how long, uh, a little while. Um so, so for anyone that, that, that hasn't met you before, Jake, um, what, what's your story? What's your background? Yeah. So and first of all, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, my story, my background, I'm, I grew up in Amsterdam, so I'm, I'm Dutch and, um, started out my career, uh, with McAfee a long, long time ago and, uh, and moved to the U S, uh, in the late nineties, uh, sort of during the dot com, uh, hype, um, Primarily because I wanted to develop as a leader and uh, learn more about sales, specifically sales in the tech world. And um, the Bay Area really was the place to be uh, back then if you want to learn and develop. And uh, I also, quite frankly, and to be blunt, um, didn't want to uh, spend the rest of my life implementing somebody else's vision in in RevOps or sales ops, as we called it back then, and uh, decided to pack two suitcases and uh, and move and, and, and never look back. And uh, had a great ride there. We did the IPO with McAfee.com. Um, NetSuite obviously was was fantastic. Uh, uh, Yext was amazing. Moved to New York for Yext, and we did the IPO with with them. Um, great place to live as well, New York. And uh, now back in the Bay Area, uh, San Francisco, working for Contentful, um, running RevOps, yeah, and enablement. Amazing. There's so many ways that I think we can take this. So. Let's begin with that's a serious amount of time dedicated to operations, particularly around a time that, well, revenue operations wasn't a thing. Sales operations was pretty new. Um, what would you say has been the biggest thing that has changed over the past couple of decades in the operations industry? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Maybe maybe it's good to sort of backtrack and sort of explain the rise of of RevOps and, and what it is and what it should be and um, what it often isn't actually. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna travel back in time and um, and sort of uh, walk through sales ops, client success ops, marketing ops, and how it all came to be. Right. And um, so a long, long time ago, before the turn <laughs> of the century, right? You had a thing called sales ops, and um, and we used to sell perpetual software and you got your software in a box. And most of the time that was a CD-ROM or a floppy disk. You got it to a two tier channel. So a distributor and a reseller, right? And, uh, they typically speaking installed it. And, um, and so a good sales ops person back then when we were selling perpetual software was able to process a sales order, right? Because you actually had physical inventory that had to ship somewhere. You could design a comp plan that attracted sales talents, right? Because the number one, the number one goal of a comp plan is to attract and retain sales talents and pay them handsomely if they perform, right? Um, and so that part of the house, uh, run a forecast call. And so if you could, if you could do all of that, design and, and, and implement an awesome 
comp plan, uh, run a forecast call, uh, help out with KPIs, right? Do some reporting because we didn't even have CRM back then, right? And, um, and run your order management. You were amazing, right? And, um, and it wasn't easy, right? Because shipping a physical goods and well, was quite difficult actually back then, right? Making sure you had enough inventory and et cetera, et cetera. So then we saw the move to subscription and I got lucky working for McAfee because McAfee moved from perpetual to subscription to, to host it, um, you know, in, in the time span of, I think, two years, right? So subscription obviously is the superior model, um, uh, uh, for any, for any tech company, right? Because your revenue just becomes more predictable and, um, you tend to retain your customers better. And when we sell a subscription, um, client success became a thing. And so then we have to think, think about things like, ooh, um, our install base metrics. We have to think about churn. Uh, we have to think about uh, GRR. Uh, we have to spin up an account management organization, right? Or our, our AE is going to take care of all these clients that we have. Uh, so we had to start thinking about coverage models. Um, we have to think about client success um apps and software. Um, we have to think about our engagement model. We have to think about our, our customer journey, right? All these, all these buzzwords that everybody uh, sort of talks about right now. And so it was really hard to make sure that that person who was really awesome at order management, uh, that person who was really awesome at um, designing comp plans. I think, I think it works right now. So we're good. Yeah, thank you. Uh, those IT jumping in uh, with the network. <laughs> yeah, I think we are um, good. I think we are good. Yeah, yeah I think we are good. <laughs> And so it was really, it was really tough to 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 basically focus on um, the sales ops side of the house and the client success ops uh, side of the house because we're just completely different skill sets. Um, so client success ops became a thing, and for a while we had sales operations and client success operations, um, and eventually that rolled into a single role um, because operating in silos isn't ideal, right? And that that's the main purpose of RevOps, really. And then a little bit later on uh, during my career, when I was at, at NetSuite, um, SaaS was a thing. And SaaS was a thing with McAfee as well, right? Because obviously making sure that your customer can download directly um, uh, is, is superior. Delivering updates and, and is superior versus, uh, uh, versus the old way of, of shipping software, right? Um, there are all kinds of benefits to the cloud. I'm not going to walk into not gonna go into that right now and bore your bore your audience with that. Um, uh, but marketing ops really came into the fold when um, all these SaaS companies went to a huge growth spurt, and we all started to hire SDRs, BDRs, right? And I think we kind of lost the way on why we hired SDRs, BDRs in the first place. It was a training ground for for the sales community, right? Uh, we couldn't find AEs fast enough, so we all developed college recruiting programs. And uh, an enablement programs to hire an SDR, BDR, SDR, BDRs used to be in their role for about nine months, and they would either get promoted to an AE or an AM role or cycle out of the company, right? But with these with, with these hiring programs, right, and we would hire hundreds at NetSuite, right, um, in any given year. But with, with these hiring programs um, and the influx of all these SDRs, BDRs, um, you know, we kind of had to figure out how we'd get them up to speed, right? And best way to get somebody up to speed in sales, as anybody listening to the to this podcast probably knows, is cold calling, right? And so, or dealing with inbound flow, and that's sort of sort of uh, the marketing ops side of of, of of RevOps, right? So, how are we going to measure the funnel? How are we going to how are we going to how are we going to see if MQLs are converting to SALs, to SQLs, to SQLs? Um, what are the conversion rates? Um, uh, what does the journey look like for for an SDR, right? How can we enable them better? What kind of collateral do they need? Um, and so, and so, basically, RevOps. When people talk about mark, marketing ops and RevOps, like RevOps plays a role in the in the top of the funnel side of the house, um, uh, but definitely not in campaign management, right? So. You need to have a clear distinction. So anyways, at some point in time, we all thought it was a bright idea to sort of marry that traditional sales ops component with that traditional uh, client success ops component and that top of the funnel component, right, that marketing ops component, and, uh, and call it RevOps. And uh, 
And here we are, right? And it makes sense because you don't operate in silos and, and larger companies. Um, I see it right, right now still a lot in the marketplace where just larger, more legacy companies, they still operate in these silos. And that's not ideal, right? You don't want to have a separate system in marketing, separate systems in, in client success, separate systems in sales. Things don't talk to each other. You're going to create a data soup. Um, uh, it's not ideal for your customer uh, because you don't develop a consistent customer journey. So they deal with all kinds of different people, right? Like, hey, this is, uh, this is Jake calling from sales and then somebody from uh, the client success house is calling or... You know, you have a BDR call and all on the same account. It's really, really, it's not a good look. Um, and plus, it's just also not a, not a wise use of your resources. So tons of benefits. I know that was a long story, but hopefully, hopefully that sort of, I like to tell it because people don't know where it came from, RevOps. And I also find that um, when people talk about RevOps, they really either do a little bit of sales ops, they do a little bit of clients, client ops or a tiny bit of marketing ops, but not really RevOps, right? Um, which I find interesting. Yeah. I, I, no, I love it. Uh, I was actually writing down. I was I was thinking if you fancied a job as a RevOps historian, then uh, I, I think there's probably a good place for you there. Man, that, that really sounds like grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it's not. It really hasn't been around that long, but uh, no, I love it. Um, so, with that with that in mind, and I think. What, what really stood out to me from that is kind of where we are today. And, and so often speaking to people in revenue operations roles, it still feels very much like, um, like it's being fleshed out. It's not quite like marketing, which is my background, where it feels very clearly defined the way of doing things. Now, you generally get some variations on it. Whereas for revenue operations, I think, aside from the whole idea of breaking down silos and and having consistency across the go-to-market function, there's still a lot of ambiguity around what it's responsible for, and I think it varies by business. Now, that's my opinion. I'm interested to know, do you, would you agree with that, or do you see it in a different way? No, I, I agree wholeheartedly with it. Um, in order to demystify it a little bit, right? RevOps, th think about it as sales ops, serving the sales community, serving the client success community, and, um, and serv servicing the um, marketing community. So sales ops, um, client success operations, and marketing operations, servicing your field organization. That's how you should look at it, right? Your field organization consists out of your account executives and their leadership team, your SE organization, your account management organization, your CSM organization, um, your field marketing organization, your partner, partner organization, Right, so every, everything touching revenue and driving revenue, basically. So your field organization, um, underneath there, you have uh, marketing ops, client success ops, and traditional sales ops, uh, supporting all these different functions. Right? And, um, and, and so if you want to establish a, a good, good RevOps crew, I think you break it down further into four pillars. Right? So we understand now the organization, um, uh, the, different, the different sort of flavors, right? And below that, you have um, what I call business operations or business support. And that's typically speaking your classic sales operations, right? So anything uh, that keeps the wheels turning, right? Whether that's uh, a deal desk motion, whether that's uh, sales support, uh, whether that is uh, business partnerships, right? So um, if you have a tech company, you might have somebody running EMEA, North America, APAC, or maybe you have different verticals depending on your coverage model. Um, all these sales leaders need to have their their their, their RevOps person, right? Their their, biz, their, their business partner, um, just to help them out with forecasts, with QBRs, uh, to help out with onboarding of new reps, um, finding their way through a maze of uh, red tape that probably exists in your company because people blew up all kinds of processes, uh, helping out with comp, uh, queries, you name it. So your classic sort of sales ops, right? KPIs. Uh, and so I call that bus business support. Um, deal desk is also firmly underneath that, right? So that's basically servicing um, the individuals in the sales organization, depending on your coverage model. Then you have um, what I call uh, strategy and insights, right? Which serves the overall company. So that's the second pillar, right? And, um, and so 
think about that as call plan design, KPI designs, um, your planning cycle, uh, you know, rolling up your forecast, maybe, you know, organizing, you know, a global forecast goal, um, uh, QBR cadence design and, and, and bringing them to life. Um, uh, your, your bookings policies, your rules of engagement, right? So basically, um, other companies might call that biz ops or maybe it sits a little bit in sales ops, but basically strategy and insights, right? Second pillar. So servicing the company as a whole. Um, because you do need that, right? You basically, you need to have a referee that, that sets out rules and comes up, comes up with strategy. Uh, then the third pillar would be, uh, systems, basically taking care of your tech stack. And that could be either, um, uh, taking care of the tech stack all the way, the, the sales tech stack. So, uh, adminning, engineering, or it could be, uh, working together with the CIO and then just basically providing requirements to them and having them implemented. I don't really care either way, as long as we have people dedicated to the sales tech stack. So that could be your CRM, your data tools, uh, your sales productivity tools, uh, your LMSs. Um, uh, I can go down the, I, I don't want to mention any brand names, right? Your forecasting apps. Um, there's so much tech right now out there. There's too much actually. And, most of it is really not leveraged properly, um, which is one of the benefits of RevOps, quite frankly, right? Um, I, I probably cut a couple of million of costs at least out um, at Contentful, just a frivolous tech spend. And, um, and quite frankly, saving a lot of work for our T team, maintaining all these things and um, saving a ton of time for our IEs, right? Because their manual inputs were just absolutely ludicrous. So still stack. And then number four, enablement. And I think enablement, you, you could call it RevOps and enablement, but enablement is really where your sales methodology and your sales process come to life, right? But you still need to bring it to life in your, in your uh, CRM, for example. Uh, and so it helps that enablement sits in RevOps, right? Because you got to make sure that every step is, is well designed and laid out. Um, uh, your sales methodology is more, so your sales process is more like how you sell. Um, your sales met, your, your sales methodology is more about, um, what's your selling culture like? Like, what do you believe in? What do you want to embrace? Is it MedPick? Is it, is it TAS? Is it Sandler? Is it selling to curiosity? Is it winning by design? Are you going to design something yourself? Right. Which is really cool. And, I highly recommend that actually, because um, I think homegrown sales methodologies and processes uh, that have been designed together with your best performing reps and uh, your sales leadership team uh, resonate much better in the sales organization and getting an outside vendor in. Hopefully they don't pick up on that comment, but um, it is true. Your, your, your best, the field knows best. It, they really know, know best. Um, uh, you know, think about your RKOs, think about communications to your sales organization. Uh, so that also sits squarely in, um, in enablement and, and, you know, communications is big, right? So your monthly sales meetings, uh, that are hosted by a CRO, uh, you know, email communication. I find communications to go wrong so often and, and are so poorly, uh, designed. And so it really pays off to have somebody, um, in enablement, uh, just focusing on comps. And that's, that's how you structure a RevOps organization that scales. And that's what we did at NetSuite, uh, very early on in EDX. And so I'm doing a contentful right now. So field organization, um, uh, if that made sense, uh, then sales ops, marketing ops, client success ops. And then the pillars below that would be, uh, business operations, strategy and insights, systems and enablement. Yeah. Hopefully that was clear. Excellent summary. Um, and, and actually, I'm going to steal that. I feel like I can draw it out beautifully now. Uh, and actually, I think it really helps to um, uh, start to capture all together in terms of all of the different responsibilities, right? You kind of alluded to it while explaining it where, you know, some businesses call it something else and sometimes it kind of lives somewhere else. But in reality, I think you've certainly framed it really beautifully. Yeah, I think, I think, so because we're going back and forth. So, so what I see right now in the marketplace is, um, you know, you have somebody who's really awesome with sales systems, right? Uh, that's not RevOps, man. Uh, 
right? Or you have really somebody who's really awesome in um, sales process and sales methodology. That's not RevOps. Or you have somebody um, uh, who's really awesome in KPI designs and uh, scorecards and uh, comp plan design. And uh, that's not RevOps either, right? Or you have somebody who's an awesome business partner, right? These are all super valuable roles. Um, but they're all just a component of RevOps, right? And I find I find that the market is a little bit confused about everybody's using a RevOps title. I mean, we all know why, right? Um, but they only do a sliver of what RevOps actually is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and the one that I really wanted to call out that I felt when coming into this conversation was certainly unique to me. I don't see it as frequently, and would love to get your perspective on it because you've included it as one of your pillars in there. Enablement, which I think very uh, more traditionally tends to sit within the sales function. For you, obviously, key responsibility, so much so it's literally in your title. So uh, what, what's your perspective on enablement? Why do you see it fitting underneath operations? Yeah, so a couple of things. Um, I, I've only, like, I've one rule, only one rule in my career. Um, like I only would work for, I only work for CRL. I've, like, I would never, so that's another thing, like, it's my own personal opinion. If RevOps reporting to a CFO or COO, you should run for the hills. Um, um, uh, I have zero interest in, in doing that. I only work for CROs, end of story, right? Because I'm part of the sales organization. Um, I, I should be part of the sales organization, really, because I'm here to drive growth. And, um, and it comes with way more stress, right? Um, uh, but it also comes with so many, so many benefits. I think Rev so enablement is a separate pillar um, in the RevOps world, right? And you have a you have an enablement leader, obviously, right? And um, and I think it's really important because remember we talked about. I don't want to use the word sales process and sales methodology too much because otherwise your audience are going to yeah we we heard it right now, but. <laughs> You know, your sales process, so think about your field organization, right? Your field organization consists out of all these roles I previously described, right? And um, all these people have different different responsibilities in uh, in your sales process, right? When you hand, when you engage with an SC or when this makes time to engage with an SC, when does a BDR hand over an opportunity to an AE? Uh, when is the AM going to engage? Uh, what's the role of the CSM, right? Um, and um, And so... And so baking and really spending a ton of time on your sales process and really making it clear, hey, these are the steps in a sales process. These are, these are the people that are responsible. So really defining uh, roles, right? Uh, this is the type of tech we need um, to support each step of the sales process uh, is really key, right? And so a great enablement leader will take charge and develop this for you, right? Um, for sure. And then that enablement leader certainly needs to bring it all to life, right? Um, and not just with enablement, right? Uh, and assets and collateral and, and playbooks, right? But also with uh, the people who run systems, right? Because every stage needs to be clearly visualized, right? And how are you gonna do that? Um, and which piece of tech do you need to buy? Um, uh, you know, the roles and definitions, right? Play play a part in compensation design, for example, or your bookings policies or your rules of engagement. And so if you have somebody in enablement working in silo, in a silo, it's harder for him or her to, to really um, get their vision across. It's harder for your CRO to get his vision across the entire sales organization. And um, you just have less of that in, in RevOps, right? Where it's just a clear, consistent flow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I, I asked the question and, um, and, and the way that you described it is exactly what I had certainly in my head, which very frequently, you know, when we talk about revenue operations, what we're talking about is, uh, often what in, in your four pillars, kind of the business support role, um, in terms of providing data and providing insight on, you know, here's where we're winning deals, you know, here's what we need to look at and here's what we need to address. But so often the, um, Sometimes the shortcoming then is, okay, now how do I implement that insight? How do I take that golden nugget of information and actually uh, uh, leverage it within what we're doing on a day-to-day -day basis? So for me, again, opinion, but 
that's where I see enablement coming in because I mean, and I'm going to do exactly what you did, like process then comes into it, right? In terms of, you know, for example, it might be, um, you know, going after this specific persona at this specific company in this country, we're seeing that our velocity is up 50%. Okay, how do we do that? It's not just a case of, well, just tell someone and it happens overnight, right? It's got to be built into how the organization is being structured. So it doesn't surprise me to see enablement starting to come underneath that umbrella. No, it's, it's a great lever. And I mean, if you think about, you know, also KPIs, right, which you, which you track in this business insights, right? Um, but I mean, what can you really influence in, in sales enablement, right? It's, it's ramp time, so time to productivity for an AE. So when are they starting to hit their quota? Uh, time to first, time to second deal, right? Um, pipeline development, um, average, average sales prices, right? So making sure that you get more out of an existing customer. Uh, I mean, uh, can go on for hours, right? But, um, you know, like th- those are, those are pretty, like, and cycle times, right? Shorten, shorten your cycle times, right? Those are probably like the five, the five big ones, right? So if you have a good enablement leader, right? They go like, yeah, I'm raising my hands. I own RAM time, so time to productivity, right? Time to full productivity. I own making sure that, um, you know, we increase our uh, ASPs, right? I own reducing, uh, uh, sales cycle times, et cetera, et cetera, right? And, and so, if you have somebody, you know, reporting on that, that's great, right? Um, and, and it's also a supportive function for your CRO, right? So that then they're not going at it alone, and then giving them the insights, right? It's, it's small of your, it's easier when it's a small company, right? But I mean, you know, at Netsuite or Nutanix, right? Larger companies with like thousands of AEs, it's really hard to figure out who's ramping, who's not ramping, and um, believe it or not systems even to this day aren't that great right if you talk to the average RevOps person say can you can you just click on the button so you can see um uh you know how, how they use ramping time to first deal time to second deal uh, asps right most of them say yeah we can do it and they can do it but it's it's a lot of spreadsheet jockeying and just getting that entire flow flow down is is, is really important right so um when you do your Functional QBRs, so QBRs with your enablement leader, right? Uh, like here are the KPIs I'm responsible for. Here's how we're doing, right? And it sort of becomes a becomes a group exercise, uh, which is great. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I want to change this into a slightly different gear. We've talked about everything from a high level. I'm really keen to know. Um, you've touched on Yex, that sweet McAfee as well, but what what were the learnings that you took from that? into your role at Contentful now? So we've talked a lot about your experience, but what, what did you take that was like, okay, I need to do it differently this time to make it work? Gosh, I think at, at, at McAfee, I learned a lot about, again, like I was just lucky to see the motion from perpetual to subscription to host it, right? Like that, that's priceless, right? Because people don't know that anymore, right? And, that, and that's okay because it's not, Maybe super relevant, but it's nice to look in your rearview mirror and understand uh, how things developed a certain way, right? And, and it resonates really well with with leaders who sort of grew in the tech industry, right? Um, uh, sort of the rise of uh, of SaaS, right? And um, and working with channel partners a different way, uh, for example. Um, and so, at McAfee, it was very much about learning about different almost delivery models, right? Because all, all SaaS is in the end. It's like we turn it into this big, right, complex thing. It's not, it's easy. It's just a delivery model. It's how you deliver software. You don't have to, you know, host it yourself anymore, right? We do it for you. That's all it is. Um, the subscription model before that, that was really the big shift, right? If you think about it. And SaaS just piggybacks, right, on the subscription model. Um, so that was really valuable and then having the IPO at McAfee.com, which was a spin-off, right? Um, was cool, right? Just getting IPO ready um, uh, and talking about subscriptions per subscriber and coming up with all these, these different SaaS metrics and going to NetSuite, right? So learning all of that, but not really being conscious about, yeah, I learned all of this, right? Um, uh, but then at NetSuite, you start getting conscious about it, right? Um, and then seeing the rise of uh, the top of the funnel, 
right? And then scaling a, a tech company is so, that, I mean, let's be honest, right? Like that was the best thing that ever happened to me, right? Um, going from 80 million, whatever it was in ARR to well over a bill, right? And how we did that and how we reinvented the sales organization and how we spun up verticals and how we changed our strategy year after year. And it's never like people, people think it's easy, right? Um, when I started out at NetSuite, it was, dude, it's never going to work. Nobody's going to put their financials in the cloud, right? It's, it's, it's not going to work, right? Um, and uh, to, you know, us basically closing $50 million deals and winning against SAP and Oracle. That was, that was priceless, priceless. But, you know, the other thing I really learned was shifting from an inbound to an outbound organization because every company will, if they need to cross the chasm, which is not a buzzword, you better make sure that um, your inbound leads are going to dry up. You have to start knocking on doors. Your, your efficiency and your investments in marketing it's going to decline and you just got to become a sales led growth company. Right. So all of that and, and that playbook really was pretty similar at Jax. At Jax, we had to create our own category as well, which was harder. Right. And, and so it kind of made me contentful was sort of a perfect place for me to be because we have to create our own category. We have to cross the chasm. Um, we have to evolve from a product led growth to a sales led growth company. And I say product led growth because I mean, what do you think McAfee was? Download your free virus cap, right? And, uh, I mean, talk about a product-led growth company, right? Um, it's, it's There's nothing new under the sun here. It has been done before, right? Um, I think product-led growth is a great lever, and it's a very valuable channel for us at Contentful. Um, but, you know, customers are not going to sign you a $1 million or $2 million deal um, without talking to an AE, Right. And uh, without doing an ELA and you gotta, you gotta negotiate all that stuff. Um, so I think everything I learned in the past and, and sort of cobbling it together made me, yeah, this role at Consentful is perfect. Like I can, you always, whatever you, yeah, you only get richer during your career attack. Like, like even if you have bad experiences, they happen, right? Like Flexport wasn't my finest moment, right? Uh, right. It was also, ooh. It's not really a tech company, right? They, they're actually freight forwarder with some tech on top, right? What am I doing here, right? There's little value of me to add, right? But I learned a lot there too, right? And um, I've formed some great relationships there. So if you work in the industry, I guess, you're going to fall on your face once or twice. Just deal with it. And if you don't, um, you're probably not pushing yourself hard enough. That's it's just part of it, right? Um, but every company you work for, Good or bad, um, you learn something, just put it in your backpack, and eventually you get to stitch it all together. Right? And uh, yeah, that's at least what I have been doing during my career. Yeah. yeah. Jesus, I sound old. You really make me feel old. <laughs> hey, I just asked the question, so, right? <laughs> um, so, so you go. I'll give you a question that you absolutely cannot sound, sound old on. Um, what, what have been Three things from the past 12 months that you've done, implemented, whether it's a small change or a big one, that's had the biggest impact on on, on your go-to-market function. Ooh, I like that. I like that. That's good. Um, unfortunately, I got some good answers on that because I've been, I've been pretty busy here. Um, so I take you over three things that were pretty massive here. Um, number one is, and this is the biggest one, um, we we basically unified our field organization. And that was huge for us. Um, so prior to me joining Contentful, we had AEs reporting into a CRL, right? Uh, we had, which is normal, it's normal, and, and SEs, so that's normal, right? Uh, now we had a partner sitting in marketing for a bizarre reason. Um, I don't know what the reason was, and 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 um, it's fine, right? The marketing our partner was sitting in marketing. Uh, the CSM organization um, was a complete silo organization together with professional services um, reporting in a separate leader. Uh, um, our AMs were reporting into our North America sales leader. Um, our BDRs were reporting into market 
marketing, right? And um, I talk about talk about a mess, right? And um, and so, a we got to make sure we have a unified field organization. So all these groups need to need, need to come together, right? Number one, right? So a unified field model, uh, uh, but that means people need to move around, right? And that means you have to deal with a ton of resistance. And um, and why, right? Like, why is this happening? Well, it's happening because um, our spend on technology is completely uh, uh, insane. But most importantly, like, think about think think about your customer experience, right? You're talking to AE and some BDR and then some CSM somewhere else. Um, uh, we're not even aligned, right? So. The segmentation in the CSM organization was different than the AM organization was different to the AE organization. Uh, so customers didn't even know where they would end up, right? Uh, I know it sounds really bizarre, <laughs> but this is how startups operate, right? Um, oh, no. Uh, as another part of that, you know, as another function of that was uh, people were not operating in sales territories properly, right? A little bit round robin. Um, that's, I mean, how, how's that going to scale, right? So good luck also building building your customer journey, but good luck um, building efficient um, uh, prospecting strategies, right? If if it's not clear, if it's not clear uh, that hey, this is Jake. Jake is the AE, the enterprise AE in uh, I don't know the Benelux, right? And here's this AM, and here's the CSM, and we're with you every step of the way uh, as you get uh, up to speed uh, on Contentful. And uh, so that that was a massive, I make it sound really easy, but that was a massive shift, right? The alignment of the field organization, making sure everybody was aligned into into paths and, and how are you going to shift accounts around? And was it was massive, right? So we did that. Um, uh, so I think that was number one. Number two is um, I spoke a little bit about crossing the chasm in terms of evolving from a PLG to an SLG company, right? And um, PLG is a super important motion for us. It will never go away. It's, it's, it's very valuable. Um, uh, but we have to start outbounding. It, it's contentful, right? Because we have to, I'm, I'm not here to build, you know, a $200 million or $300 million ARR company. That's it's not interesting, right? Um, to me, at least. And maybe, you know, I, I, I want to have a right like that in that suite, right? Or, you know, Yex, or like, you name it, and McAfee, right? Like, I want, I want to go over billing in revenue, right? Um, and so we're not going to get there. We're not going to PLG ourselves to a billion dollar in, in, in AOR, right? But we will get there if we get really clever about outbounding, right? So um, making that shift from a reactive inbound organization to a more aggressive outbound organization uh, would be another one. I think those are those are two those are those are two really big ones. I mean, I can I can talk about and I think number three probably um, I really took ownership of a planning cadence. If your planning is done by finance, oh God, do you have any CFOs listening to this podcast? <laughs> um, very little. Yeah, very very little. If if they okay, are, good. Um, then feel free to skip to the next episode. And, no, um... no, 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 because. They're quite often very myopic in their thinking, right? Well, here's the number, and you're going to hire this many reps, and here's the productivity, and we're going to crush it, right? And uh, quite frankly, what's happening in the marketplace right now, I, it's not me, right? Like, I'm just, all the, all the layoffs, all the firings, like, talk to your CFO, right? Talk about this incredible, disgraceful planning job that has been happening in, in our industry as a whole for the last couple of years, right? Um, and um, And so... As a CRO, you better make sure that you want to get a number from finance that you need to hit fine. Totally makes sense, right? Um, because they have to make sure that they appease the investors, right? Uh, it ties back to a budgeting number. Uh, but, you know, as you as a CRO, you better make sure that you get together with your, your RevOps crew, try to, figure that, try to figure out what does that mean for hiring? What does that mean for capacity? Uh, what does it mean for... Um, uh, your marketing plan, where's the pipeline going to come from? Uh, pipeline by parties, right? So your inbound, your outbound, your PLG motion, your partner pipeline, what are they going to deliver? How do they, how do those targets look like? Uh, uh, if you have a gap versus plan, cycle it back up to finance and great, like, hey, you know, I got a 15, 20, 30, or, you know, one, 
one million dollar gap? Like, are you going to develop a new product? Are we going to open up new offices? Like, how do you want to make up for this? Right? Um, uh, really, so really taking ownership of the entire planning cycle and liaising with marketing and finance and product to make sure we can get where we need to go. Right? Because the answer quite often isn't let's hire fifty or a hundred or one hundred and fifty more reps. Right? I want to hire one hundred and fifty more reps, but I want to make sure that my marketing engine can support it. I want to make sure that my product team has a vision, right? Uh, I want to make sure that my CFO is is, is aligned to um, expanding our distribution, meaning opening up new offices, right? Um, and so those are, but these are very classic, right? These are not contentful problems, right? Um, these are just classic uh, issues that everybody everybody's struggling with in the industry. But I think honestly, I know the market has not been working in our favor, right? But what you're seeing right now in the industry relates to piss poor planning, right? Really, really bad performance. Um, and so you, you don't want to be in that, um, in, in that shape uh, as a company, obviously. Unfortunately, we're not here in, in, that, uh, in, in that mode, right? But uh, it helps if you take take ownership of, of planning, right? Because we could have conversations, well, I can hire 90 more AEs, right? But if I don't have a product to sell or if you don't really want to expand our distribution footprint or if you can't keep up um, with our marketing motion right now, maybe it's not the best investment, right? So we got to figure out other, other levels of growth, right? Maybe making our current AEs productive or whatever it is, right? Uh, there, there, there are plenty of ways to skin the cats, but... Um, yeah, those were the three things, and I guess I went a little bit off track because I just, I just find it. I used to be a seller way back when, and I just, I hate it when people, you know, people have mortgages, they have kids, they have mouths to feed, right? Maybe, maybe a little bit too, too emotional. Like I don't want to sound too, too no, emotional, but like, <laughs> like it, it freaking sucks if people quit a job, go somewhere else, and then just get laid off six months because some yokel couldn't plan the business properly, right? Yeah. Uh, it's, I, it's, I actually think it's great because I wrote down earlier because I could sense I could something just told me I was like well, I was going to ask what what frustrates you the most yeah and, well, uh, there you go and, yeah. and that's it so what's the what's the answer then as the better planning because you know is that is that a CFO's job or is that something that you know I think we can all plan better right and uh, I often find that I'm treading the line between. I'm just spending all of my time planning and not enough time actually doing it. Um, I find there's definitely a fine balance between the two. Um, and also, what's the process to make sure that you've got a good plan as well? Because even the best laid plans don't always literally go to plan, right? Yeah, I mean, um, a couple of things, right? It, it, is, it is a team exercise, first and foremost, um, in planning. So make sure you involve marketing, make sure you involve your sales leadership organization, make sure you involve product. I mean, how many, how many people are involving product in, in planning? Right? Finance is not, I can tell you that much, right? Um, um, you know, like most RevOps leaders wouldn't do it, right? Um, so making sure that everybody's a stakeholder within this field model too, right? So talk to a Z organization, talk to your partner organization, right? Like involve people, right? Like a plan shouldn't be, hey, here's the plan, right? The plan should be a back and forth and iterative uh, process, right? I think that that's key. I, I see it go wrong often there. Um, I see it go wrong often where people don't understand the levers, right? And sure, headcount is, is a headcount is a nice. We spoke a lot about headcount, capacity, capacity versus plan. Do you have overcapacity? You have undercapacity. Um, what are your feelings about attrition, right? We talked about enablement, like how long does it take for people to come on board? Um, you know, <laughs> the, time, the times where, you know, I see a finance spreadsheet where they say, well, it takes a, takes an AE four months to ramp, right? Because that's what it's in our comp plan or three months versus now it actually takes them nine or 10 months, right? And it's gonna, if we go outbound, it might take a little longer, right? I'm not talking about contentful specific, just give, giving you, right? I mean, if you don't do that right, you got a huge problem, right? You got a huge problem. <laughs> um, um, same with marketing, right? Like how often do I see that marketing doesn't have pipeline goals, right? Per party, right? So I'm not thinking about just 
an overall number. It's like, okay, more like, like partner, what's your, what's your pipeline goal? Uh, sales, you know, what's, what's our PLG goal? Uh, what's our PQL goal? What's our SQL goal? Right. What are we, Mr. CRO, what are you going to do yourself in outbound prospecting? Right. Uh, how are we going to expand into our existing customers? Um, um, AM, like what, like, you got to get super, super granular, granular in your planning exercise, but also hold people accountable, right? And um, I think, think people often think they were granular, but they have no idea, right? And and um, and I think if your planning exercise sits in RevOps together with finance, obviously, right, um, you get way more granular because they are closer to the business, right? And um, and if they do their job properly, right? And they are part of the sales organization and they understand uh, the impact that sales cycle times have, uh, for example, right? Or or uh, the lack of having a product or the lack of having, you know, uh, an, an inbound lead or you have inbound lead issues or the lack of having an inbound lead issue in, um, in France or in uh, Egypt or in Indonesia because we're not localized a certain way, right? Uh, I can go on for, for ages, right? Um, but yeah, planning is something you have to really, really do well. And you also have to think, I think if people don't hit their number, right? Quite often, it's, I mean, it's plant, I mean, sales will take ownership, right? But maybe you really plan poorly, right? Um, and poor planning leads to right, high attrition. It's very costly, right? Very, very costly. Like I think, I think we have to do whatever we can in our industry to make sure that our AEs, our AEs and anybody in the, in the sales organization can be successful. Um, yeah, yeah. So hopefully, hopefully, it gives you an idea of right, it can go wrong at a lot of places, but you can guarantee it will go wrong if, um, if people, if the people who plan and take full ownership of the planning cycle. Uh, are far, 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 far removed from the business. Yeah, I, I, I think really clear. I mean, uh, one, the, definitely the granular level of detail. Also, what kind of came to mind as you were explaining it was also not necessarily plan B, like, which is like a completely alternate plan. But to your point, when, when someone misses a number, right, you, you know, you can't be working to a system where it's, uh, well, if one person misses a number, that's it, we're, we're screwed. You know, what, what lever can you then pull elsewhere to be like, okay, where can we make up for this elsewhere? To me, that's where the granular level of detail comes into it. Because when you've got that understanding of if everyone hits these numbers, we are 99% sure that we're going to hit that overall revenue goal at the end of the quarter. And then it's just the question of, you know, having that level of detail then of, okay, if we are short on leads here, or we are short on pipeline there, it's not a, oh God, mad scramble, what the hell do we do? It's, it's fine, we've planned for this. We've already got this in place. Let's let's bring this in. Everything's fine. Not only does it create a, um, a more uh, kind of predictable revenue model, uh, it's a hell of a lot stressful for people working in it as well because it's like, oh, oh, someone knows what we're doing. Fantastic. And that, that really helps yeah. nutrition, right? No, no, it helps a lot. Um, it, it helps a lot. It also just... You know, as a CEO, so maybe there's some CEOs listening to this podcast, um, right? Um, it helps you as well, right? Because if you want to grow, you say you want to grow your company like 100 million in ARR, right? Uh, or, or do you want to do 100 million in net ACV, incremental ACV? Let, let's go there, right? And, uh, you know, I come back and I roll everything up and I go like, look, man, like I got 100 million in ACV and street quota out there, right? Um Let's say we do about 80% of that, right? So we, we can, like, I, I can only do 80 million and here's why, right? And I can really clearly articulate that no sales productivity already is going up. Like we took a look at all our pipelines, like here are all the parties that are performing, right? Like this is the best I can do. Then you as a CEO, okay, got it. So we got a $20 million gap, right? It's not a disaster, right? But you want to have that conversation, you know, like at least a couple of months before you, we never talked about the timing of planning, right? But like, we can do it in a second if you can remind me of it. Um, okay, got a $20 million gap. Are you gonna acquire somebody? Are we gonna build a new product? Um, uh, you know, are we, are we gonna have a pricing and packaging exercise? Um, 
right? And do I need to invest more in my sales organization? I mean, it, it's gonna it's gonna create awesome discussions, right? That need, you need to have as a CEO, right? Um, very. I didn't. I I what I had it twice in my career actually where we're like, well, here's the plan, right? And we're like. I had once or twice where I was like, well, I think you can actually do 150, right? So if it was 100, like, I, I know we're going to crush this. So, uh, but most of the time you're below, right? But you need to have these discussions, right? Um, um, yeah. But, and, and so timing, you need to have these discussions like a couple of months before the end of the year, right? You need to be baked, right? So here's another good, a good planning and wrap up. So back, back to making it relevant to your CRO again is, I pride myself on welcome to the new year, day one or day two, and actually before that, right? Here are your quotas, right? Um, uh, like you want to have all that stuff done and dusted. You don't want to wait a freaking month and, and, and you know, like give somebody their their number, right? Uh, for example, um, but all of that planning stuff needs to be flushed out at least ninety days. You know, talking about giving marketing goals and that needs to be done, uh, uh, you know, three months before the end of the year, for sure. And you want to, do, it has to be an iterative process as well, right? So um, right now, um, I'm planning for next year already, right? And uh, I'm doing my three-year plan. And I do that every every quarter. I update my three-year plan. And so if you have a good rev-up, like, ah, that sounds too cocky, sorry. Like, uh Maybe I'm a little cocky. If you have a good RevOps person, right? Um, um, they've done, they plan continuously. So it's not a, a crunch. Like we have to, we have to start planning everybody, right? And then your entire sales team at the last quarter of the year or the RevOps team at the, that is completely overwhelmed. Like I do it continuously. So it's not that big of a lift. Yeah. Yeah. It's important. Uh, yeah. yeah. I completely agree. And I, I, I love it. And uh, also not the first time I've heard it. Um, which is might reassure you, um, because okay, good. because uh, it's the it allows you to adjust, right? Uh, you know, when things do go wrong or there are um, uh, extraneous factors, you know, it allows you to pivot. I, I do wonder how that went for you going into COVID and a pandemic. Um, did, did, did the plan go out the window, and it was, but or was it just another day in the office? Like, well, gonna gonna have to replan for this one. You know, um, when COVID hit, I think it was in Nutanix, right? And uh, we moved to a six-month cycle, basically, right? So we planned every six months. So, which was, I hated it, but I loved it too, right? Because if you plan for six months increments, you can adjust quickly, right? Whereas if you plan for a year, right, um, you're pretty much stuck, like, of course, everybody's going to replan, right? But it needs you need to, you know, like pump out new new comp plans, right? And um, you know, like rewrite maybe coverage model, ROE, uh, realign with finance, realign with marketing, right? And, um, and 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 they built their annual plans as well, obviously, right? Um, and so um, by having that six month planning cadence, we were more agile. I say we didn't have to replan because we were planning every six months. Um, I don't recommend it, by the way, like a six month planning cadence, but during COVID, it totally made sense. Um, Cause who knew where the world was going? Like, remember like sky was falling and then it was the best thing that ever happened in tech. And <laughs> then the sky was falling again. Um, I don't know where we are right now. Is the sky falling or like, who knows? Right. Um, <laughs> recession, right. I think, I, our industry is doing just fine, right? This is, this is honestly, it's just a little blip. Uh, and I think if you look at the macro numbers, it is just a blip. Like we have more people working in tech right now uh, than pre-pandemic, right? Um, hiring, hiring is, believe it or not, hiring is still higher than pre-pandemic, right? Everybody just went crazy on their hiring and now we're paying a price. But we talked about that already. So. Yeah, no, I love it. Uh, we've we've gone really deep on a lot of stuff, which I've really enjoyed. For the final question, I'm just going to pluck us straight out of there and ask a really simple question. What is one book that you would recommend to other revenue leaders? I'm making an assumption that, you, that you're a reader, um, and that could be fiction or nonfiction. Mm, um, 
Catch-22. Uh, <laughs> An excellent fiction book. Oh, that's, that's tough. Um, oh, this is going to sound embarrassing. Go for it. I'm gonna First one that it. comes like, to mind. Uh, probably Papillon, per- Perseverance. Like, if there's not a, you know, Route A, then go to Route B or Route C. There's always a solution for anything, right? Um, but if you think about it, great planning, right? Uh, <laughs> I, I go down to, like, great planning, um, grit, right? Not stopping, Um Dexterity, flexibility, right? Um, not giving up right? in, in times of adversity. Um, not taking things for granted. If things are too good, right? Uh, and go down that down that list, right? Starting from scratch, right? It's uh, that that, just, that that one just just popped in, basically top of mind. Um, yeah, I like it. I'm, I'm a romantic by heart, um, <laughs> but I also read. I read very little to not like. I pride myself actually on, and that was the embarrassing part. Like, I don't really read that many business books. Um, I also You're think that would make me a better person, actually, uh, to tell the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. Because um, I do think I'm a little bit more open minded versus, you know, this is the playbook. This is what you need to start with. And I guess, I guess maybe we can wrap up like that. But um, I've never operated like that because I know, and hopefully I came across like that. Like, what I learned during my career, I put in my backpack, but the industry is evolving. You know, people are newer. People are so much more small. They're so much, so much smarter now, right? Um, um, like I could barely use Excel when I started out in my career, right? An email, right? Um, uh, you know, yeah. Gen, Gen Z people, just what they do with tech and how they apply it in their work, uh, work life. Awesome, right? Like it wasn't even close. So I guess... Don't assume that the playbook you used at your previous company is going to work because it won't at your next. It's not relevant anymore. The industry is moving, is moving too fast. And I think, I think just learn to recognize patterns, but continuously develop and shape your new playbook um, is key. And that's back, back to not reading books, uh, business books. I read a lot. I, I really do, but um, more novels, right? Mm. Um, um, which yeah, I, yeah. I find teach teach lessons in their own way as well, and uh, yeah. and that's why yeah. uh, I, I feel the need to mention it. It really can be a fiction book and not a nonfiction. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and any work like I don't microserves isn't like is an awesome book uh, or JPOT. Um, those are both awesome books if you want to read and learn a little bit about their industry, but in in a fun way, right? More of the human characteristics in our industry versus. You know, boring business book. Um, uh, the Circle from David Eggers is a really cool book. Like, I, I really, I really, really re- recommend it. Like, I, I can't recall the writer of Microsurfs now, and that's bad. I'm going to Google it while you while you ask me another question. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. It was actually um, I, I'm going to make it even easier because because that was my last question. But um, we will include links down to all of those. So. Jake, I'm going to rely on you to uh, to send send me a link, and I'll make sure to include it on the show notes. So, uh, so from yeah, for it, because uh, if anyone is like me, uh, I really could do as a break from nonfiction every now and again. Um, yeah, Douglas, Douglas Copeland was the writer of Microsoft Surfs and JPOT. Like, I highly recommend reading Microsurfs and then reading JPOT right after it, and then reading The Circle. Um, you're going to love it. Um, and it's also, it's not a business book, but it has a lot to do with our industry and specifically how we work and operate and, and, um, and also how our industry impacts humanity. Yeah. Jeez, I can't believe we went all the way there. <laughs> Let, let's pause there. We'll, we'll come back for part two to go into that. Yeah. Um, Jake, absolute pleasure to chat today. Um, if, I don't know how active you are online, but is there anywhere where people could connect with you, ask any questions, or are you going off the grid after this? I'm just on LinkedIn. I'm uh, after you read the circle, you understand why I'm just on LinkedIn. <laughs> so Ooh. you can find me on LinkedIn. Like I'm pretty, I'm, I'm active there. Like I res- like I like I respond. Uh, I like to help. So you can find me there, and um, I mean, you have my email address now, so you can you can email me. Um, I'm going to follow and, up uh, after I read. Yeah, I'm going to follow up after yeah. I read the circle and be like, that's it. <laughs> uh, all right, Jake. Thank you so much again. And uh, to everyone that's listened to this episode, we'll catch you next week.
I really enjoyed talking to you. All the best. Good luck. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening to Revenue Insights. If you want to learn more, subscribe to our newsletter and we'll deliver every episode straight to your inbox. If you have any questions, feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn. Our links will be in the episode notes. See you next week.